Guy here with a quick message before we get on with the pod. As a thank you to our most dedicated and loyal viewers and listeners to Blood Red, we're inviting you to join our Blood Red Club. By joining, you'll get access to insider transfer content as well as interviews with former favourites and those connected at Anfield. All you need to do is head to bloodredpodcast.co.uk, enter your email address and our exclusive content will head to your inbox. That's bloodredpodcast.co.uk. Thanks. Now on with the show. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. Liverpool's transfer plans beginning to piece together with a price named for Nico Williams, yet after Jordan Shakiri starring for the Swiss, should the Reds be cashing in? Latest Reds transfer news to come, plus a Euros roundup of sorts with contrasting emotions for the likes of Thiago, Diogo Jota and the aforementioned Shakiri over the course of the weekend. To impart their knowledge and wisdom, we have our senior digital journalist, Theo Squires, and with a Red's return only rivaled by Robbie Fowler. It's a warm welcome back to Dan Kate. Dan, how are you keeping? I'm very well. Thanks, Guy. Good to be back. Um, things are looking a little bit brighter than the last time I was around um, in February for the Reds. And hopefully it's going to be a good, positive summer for everybody. And let's hope it's going to be a better season going forward, uh, certainly than it was last time around. It, it certainly finished better than it started, put it that way. Yeah, certainly, certainly did. Uh, Theo, you've been keeping your finger on the Euros pulse for us at the Echo. You've been at Wembley and uh, just about woken up from the game between England and Scotland. <laughs> yeah, just about. Um, it wasn't too bad, but I think that's probably it was the awful. flow, isn't it, of just being at Wembley still and actually being able to report on football. Because uh, you've got to remember, I've not done many games in the past year with the pandemic because uh, Doily and Gorsty get the, the calls on it all. And then, oh, there's still fans here. I can enjoy that. This I'm actually at a game. And then you actually focus on the action. It's a bit rubbish. But I had Andy Robertson and Scotland doing all their celebrations in front of me at the end. So that that was a nice positive end to it, even if uh, England fans were booing elsewhere in the stadium. Yeah, it was absolutely dire and, and not very good at all. But as I say, we're going to speak a bit about the, the Euros and what's gone on certainly over the course of the weekend and turn it towards transfer attentions as well. Dan, have you you've been enjoying the, the tournament? It's not been going sort of all too great for a few of the, the Reds individuals, but Jordan Shakiri did score a couple of nice goals last night. He did. The first of which I noticed was, was with his lesser, lesser spotted right foot. Um, we haven't seen him pop too many in with that. Um and he took his, he took his, his second goal very well, uh, also. Um, so, I mean, w- whether that's going to have any real impact on, I, I can't see that having any real decisive impacts on what on what what is going to happen to him this summer. I would be surprised to see him still at Anfield when the season begins in August. But obviously, it certainly does absolutely no harm in terms of uh, the fee Liverpool might look to get for him. Um, I, th- I think I read somewhere he's. he's one of now only four players that have scored in the last two World Cups and the last two European Championships. So it shows that he's, you know, he is a big time player. And even if his, you know, his his Liverpool career um will maybe not t- be talked of in the hushed tones as it will for some of the other <clears throat> top players of this era, he's proven himself to be, you know, a player that can be counted on when you need something to happen, as far as I'm concerned. If he never kicked another ball after putting that cross in for Wijnaldum against Barcelona. Um, you know, he, he would have my eternal gratitude for that. Um, good, good to see Nico Williams get a game for for Wales yesterday. I'm sure we'll move on to that um, in a little bit. 
I, you know, I, I didn't think England-Scotland was that bad a game, to be honest. I thought it was quite absorbing. I mean, I, you know, cards on the table, I feel zero connection whatsoever to the England national football team. So, to be honest, I was rooting for Scotland. Um, but it was, I, I thought it was a decent game to watch. And the one thing that did strike me is that, you know, there's been, I think, a fair bit said and written about England's midfield after, certainly after Friday and even, you know, to a certain degree after the first game against Croatia. And that might mean that we get to see some of Jordan Henderson soon, which um, obviously it was his 10-year anniversary, wasn't it, a week or two ago since he arrived at Anfield. There's been some great content, obviously, on the Echo and, and across the media about that. And it may well be the fact that he's played so little football for Liverpool this season. You know, you can tell from a lot, you know, some of the players, they do look a bit leggy because obviously it's such a long season, such a compressed season, such an unusual season. Henderson might just have a little bit more in the tank than most because obviously he was injured for certainly the the final third of it for Liverpool. And that might just be a little bit of an advantage for, for England that, that, um, that, that, could, that could come in very handy for them. Yeah, definitely. You just wonder, say, uh, being at Wembley, if, you, if, if he does play, of course, you'll sort of see first-hand him able to, I suppose, lift the rest of the team up. We know just how good he is. But in terms of Shakiri, I suppose in life, you, you're assured of a few things, death, taxes and Shakiri scoring some nice goals at major tournaments. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Like, I think back to his first uh, tournament, I think he was just an 18-year-old in that one. So for that, that was him making headlines, just being there that young. But since then, he's got a hat-trick at a World Cup. He scored an overhead kick at the Euros. He's got a last-minute winner at the uh, last World Cup, which I think got a fine for his celebration. And now he's got a, a class brace here. And you think, well, you should keep going on and doing this. You remember the Nations League, he was in the tournament team of the tournament there before picking up that injury that has basically derailed his Liverpool career ever since. But he, he loves the big occasion for the Swiss and long may it continue. I think it's one where I've read earlier today, he's their leading goal scorer outright in major tournaments. It's one where we've not seen it enough at Liverpool, but then where are we ever going to? We'll be expecting to see it enough at Liverpool when he had Salah, Firmino and Mane ahead of him. He has come in as a £13.5 million sign-in and done exactly what he was required to do. He was only ever going to be a squad option make a difference when he needed to. And you think of games where he's come in where one of the front three's been missing or when he's come on as a sub and he's made big impacts. And the fact that we haven't seen more of him is partly because of injuries, but at the same time, it's because of the consistent levels of the front three. And it's one where if he wants to go, he'll probably go. But we said that last summer. We said that the summer before. We say at every single transfer window. It's if there is a suitable offer there for Liverpool to consider selling him. And the only problem with that now is what a suitable offer would have been 18 months ago could look very different because of the pandemic. But if he wants to stay, happily let him stay. Let him be this squad option because he does make a difference. I'd much rather have him coming off the bench than a Minamino or an Origi because he has got that proven quality. He has got that end result. And then it's one where going to the new season, you wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Jurgen Klopp change the Liverpool formation a bit more when you look at the players he's got at his disposal when he's got a fully fit squad. And that's when we saw the best of Shakiri in his first season, when Liverpool were doing this 4-2-3-1, when Salah was playing up front. And I think since he's come to Liverpool, he's now more than just this number 10 or this right winger. He's shown he can be in a deeper midfield role and he's showing more of his ability. So it is definitely a great option for Liverpool to have. And it's one where if you're a fan and you're watching this Euros, you're a Liverpool fan, you're looking at the players like Locatelli and these ones, Imbola uh, for Switzerland, the ones that are making that big impact. And you're going, I like the look of them. I wouldn't mind them at Liverpool. Isaac for Sweden's another one. Shakiri would definitely be one of those if he wasn't already a Liverpool player. So it's what well, I'm happy for him to stay if he's happy to be a squad option. If he wants to go, he can go with the blessing, knowing he's probably going to get a decent price for him. 
But you're not going to get many better players to be that squad option who can sit on the bench at the pool you know can make an impact. And it's one where you don't see, I don't know, Man City, Chelsea United, they're not getting all this saying, oh, they need to sell their lesser players like Martial. They don't need to sell, I don't know, Gabriel Jesus. There's never the same pressure, but it's always on Liverpool. It's always on Shaqiri. But yeah, he deserves to be able to make the next decision for his career. And we've seen Jurgen Klopp grant so many players like in the past. Like Lucas Leyva is the most obvious one for me. He was linked with a move pretty much every single transfer window, as Shakiri is in this situation now. In the end, it was his decision to go, yes, I want to go and be a first-choice player somewhere. But if he stays, he'll probably add a few more medals to his collection. Long may his Liverpool career, career got there in the end, continue if he wants it to. Yeah, most definitely. I'll never forget actually seeing him for the first time in the flesh. Funnily enough, it was it was at Wembley, an England game against Switzerland in, in 2011 and 2-2 draw. And he was absolutely unbelievable in that game. Just the, the sheer power and dynamism he has as well, Dan. And I think even last season we saw flashes. We always go back to his first season and the brace against Manchester United. But mm. even last season when... The, the Arsenal game in the Carabao Cup looked as though he was going to leave. He was pulled out of the squad late on in that one. Didn't The move didn't happen. He then sort of came back in and I think it was West Ham at home in Midtjylland in the Champions League, two games in particular mm. that really stuck out that he played in the midfield as opposed to either on the right or in that kind of number 10 role. And he played some defence splitting passes in both games, which it's a long way back now, the autumn of last season for Liverpool fans to think back to but you forget a season is long and you need these players who at times can un- unlock defences and he can open a can of beans with his, his left foot as to steal one of your sayings <laughs> yeah well uh, one game that springs to mind is actually in the season before the the, the championship season of 20 lovely saying that isn't it the Liverpool championship season of 2019-20 never thought I'd get to say those words a few years ago, but um, the, means something the very different uh, to me, Dan. Championship season. <laughs> when did they get relegated? Title, <laughs> title season. Um, the 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 five two annihilation of Everton in uh, in early December. When yeah. I think he he not really featured much at all, but he was you know Klopp named a slightly you know a surprising size, virtually a fringe side really, wasn't it? And he came in and scored a superb goal. I think certainly scored one. I can't remember if he had a hand in one or two of the others, but. It, that illustrates the point that he's not one of these types of players that necessarily needs five, ten games to get into a run of form before you're actually going to get something tangible from him. He is someone that, and you know, he is someone that can dip in and out for a couple of games here and there, provide a bit of an impact, and then you might not see him for a few weeks, a few months, even. Obviously, his injury, his injury record has been a bit checkered. He's not getting any younger. I, I would imagine he's, he's closing in on thirty. He's probably late twenties yeah, now. Twenty nine. Yeah, same age as the front three. Same school year as yeah. the front three. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, inevitably, as, as you get that little bit older, you you, know, you are maybe going to pick up more knocks, particularly if you're not playing regularly week in, week out. But I, I would absolutely endorse what, what Theo says there. If Liverpool don't get the right type of fee that they feel is right for him or the players doesn't get the right kind of move that, that's, that, 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 he want, that he where he wants to go, I'd have absolutely no problems with him being kept, kept in the ranks because you get the impression... He's a good. He's he's a good guy to have around the you know the, the, the training ground. You, you don't play for the kind of clubs he has in his career without having a ser- without having something about you. And the fact that Jurgen Klopp, you know, this if he, if he's here in August, this would be what his it would be his fourth season at the club. I, th- I think that's right in saying. And obviously, he hasn't played an awful lot of football. But if Klopp's prepared to let that happen, that to me is indicative of the fact that he's part of the group. And we all know how much Klopp. 
how much straw that clock places in having the right type of people around people that, that can be part of the group that might not play that often but are but add value in terms of their contribution their personality how they carry themselves how they train and that's the impression that, that you get very much with Shakir, which to be honest i would have been surprised of when he came in did can't say i knew a lot about him but he seemed to be a little bit of a flash Harry. He'd score a few goals here and there, maybe a bit of a prima donna. And I was delighted, delighted to be proved entirely wrong about that because I think if he was like that at all, he would have been long gone from Anfield by now. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Theo, there is always a clamour, certainly for forward players, to kind of be brought in and big money to be spent on them. But ever since he came in for that relega- relegation release clause that was activated when Stoke went down, he's always played his role. He's always done his bit. Albeit, he, he's only played 32 minutes in the Premier League since the home defeat to, to Fulham. He played the full 90 on that one. But then from then on, he was on the bench for the rest of the games of the season. And as I say, he's always happy to play his part. But those two goals yesterday, I suppose, maybe serve as a reminder, A, to Jurgen Klopp if he needed it. Um Sure, he probably didn't, but B, that if anybody does want to take him away from Anfield, it isn't just going to be a case of this lad's free for whatever fee. They're going to have to pay the right money for him. Yeah, definitely. Like, what was it? When he was being linked with a move before, I think Liverpool would have wanted 20, 25 million for him. And at the moment, you're just waiting to see what state the market is in when Euros are over, when that first big move happens. And then you it, can see, I think the only two players that have really gone for big money in the Prem so far uh, Buendia to Villa and Canate to Liverpool. You think, well, that's what, 30, 35 million. Um, Buendia, probably a bit younger than Shakiri, But if that's the price he's going for, you'd want 20 million at least, wouldn't you, for Shakiri 25. But even then, it seems a bit steep because he hasn't played as much football as he would like. But it's one of those where his situation has been complicated at Liverpool. The fact that he picked up the injury at the Nations League and he missed so much of the title-winning season. And then when he came back last season, I think a lot of Liverpool's reserve players struggled for game time, not because it was a slant on them or anything, but because Liverpool had lost their centre-backs, because they were having to play anyone they had in that position. And Jurgen Klopp had to favour having stability elsewhere in the team. He had to have the front three the same most weeks. Just try, yeah, He couldn't even rest the full-backs, could he? He needed some rhythm in this team to get the best out of them. And it isn't just Shakiri who missed out there. It's like Kostas Simikas missed out. Nico Williams missed out. Curtis Jones probably did towards the end of the season when Fabinho was back, when Thiago was back and all this sort of thing. But next season, when you've got your players back, you'd like to think there's going to be more opportunities for them. You'd like to think they're going to have a full pre-season rather than one which is rushed just to get the last season out of the way and get into a new one. And they can all just enjoy the football again and get back to a bit of normality. They're going to have a couple of mid-season breaks, I believe, because there's an international window somewhere where FIFA needs to catch up with um, World Cup qualifiers elsewhere on the planet. There might be another Premier League mid-season break that we saw in the title-winning season. So you like to think he can put injuries behind him if he is still at the club and prove his worth. But we're never against players turning up at big tournaments and showing what they can do. It's always that cliche, isn't it? As soon as someone scores a goal, that's another five million on the asking price. You just know it's going to go up and up. Yet clubs don't do that business that way. It's not as though you can have any scouts or clubs there going, now I'm quite happy with our squad here, don't need anyone. They turn on ITV. Oh, that's a great goal from Shakiri. Let's get Liverpool on the phone and bring him in now. It's all planned. You're naive if you think it's not planned. And it's one where we know there's a couple of teams in Italy that have been sniffing around. There's a couple of teams in Turkey that have been sniffing around. But if they couldn't afford him in January last summer, probably not going to be able to afford him now. 
So it's one where everything is just going to have to settle after the Euros, see what clubs are spending what, what players are moving what, and just judge fees are there. It's what happened when Coutinho went for 140 million, for example, because Neymar took the market to a completely new level and Mbappe took it to a new level. Now we're just seeing the other side of it as things begin to get back to a level of normality. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what offers maybe do come in for Jordan Shakiri and if the, the price is right. Dan, let's talk about a few of the, the other players in Euro's involvement then before we get back on to sort of transfer matters. And Diogo Jota's had, uh, I suppose, a spicy couple of games. He had the whole bust up with Cristiano Ronaldo in the first one with Hungary and then laid on the assist against Germany, albeit it didn't go well for, for Portugal. And Thiago Alcantara doesn't seem to be able to get a minute on the pitch at the moment for Spain. No, it's it is. He came off the bench in the first match, didn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't involved at all in their draw against on is it Sweden on, Poland. on, on Saturday. Poland, Poland, Poland. Sorry, of course, Lewandowski scored on uh, on Saturday evening. And obviously, they are you know they're in a bit of a pickle now. The Spanish, you know, if they don't, you know, if, if they don't get the right result on um, in, in their final group game, they could come out. They, they you know, the, the Spanish side clearly are nowhere near the level of you know 10, 15 years ago, and they obviously had the likes of Torres and Iniesta and. Savvy, that that golden era there. Um, there. There was an interesting, interesting interview with him, wasn't there, over the weekend, Thiago, where he's basically kind of said a lot of the things that some of us old artists have been saying about the modern game for, for quite some time. But, but a little surprising to actually hear it from you know a, a modern day footballer. Who I think is he's not twenty eight, twenty nine. He's not quite thirty, is he? So he's not not that old. But um, I, I, I suppose that kind of shows that he, he you know. <laughs> He, he had a very, very unusual and, you know, to a large degree, difficult first year at Liverpool, didn't he? I think there were very much reasons for that, obviously. Number one being the pandemic. He came in, got COVID straight away. Then he got clobbered in his in his you know, the first match, really, that he played in, um, in the derby. Uh, and, and then by the time he was back, obviously, Liverpool were in this horrendous mid-season slump, which, you know, looked likely that it was going to kind of quash any... Um, any real hopes we had of, of, of something valuable coming from the campaign? Thankfully, over, over the last couple of over the final couple of months, Liverpool did start to see what Thiago could bring. And you know, and I have to say, you'll never hear me criticise Jurgen Klopp or you know, or, or get a down on him. But I, I think one of the few mistakes he's made during you know significant mistakes he's made during his Liverpool tenure was not starting Thiago in either of those Champions League quarterfinals against Real Madrid. You know, if 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 you're not going to play him in that kind of game, when are you going to play him? So I think it, it's it's maybe kind of quite enlightening that the even within his own country, there are maybe some you know football people that don't quite get what Thiago does, and you know Luis Enrique, the Spain manager, um, he's going to have to wake up to what what Thiago can offer his side uh, pretty quickly. Otherwise, he might be um, putting his feet up for the for the for the rest of the tournament. As for uh, it was, it was who, who do you mention? Jossie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I not long after he signed for Liverpool last year, I read a, a brilliant piece somewhere, I can't remember where it was, that basically underlined that there are quite a few parallels and similarities between Jota and Ronaldo in terms of their mentality, their personality, how utterly focused and driven they are as characters. So, obviously, in the media and football supporters generally, we always like to make a bit of a thing of one when people have a little bit of a bust up on a pitch. It, to be honest, it's, not, it's never been something that I particularly bothers me. You want players that care. You want players that have standards and expect standards from, from those around them rather than some others who we've all seen over the years that don't really seem to be asked either way. So, um, you know, obviously Portugal are in 
the you know, the, the group of death with 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 um, Germany and France and Hungary, France or, or France also in the same group. The nature of this tournament, you know, obviously with four half of the third place team qualify, half of the third place teams qualifying for the knockouts, obviously takes a little bit of the threat of that away, and you'd be surprised if all three of them didn't go through. But um, I, I think it's for Jota, it's a brilliant learning experience. He's only a young lad, what, 24, 25? So to, this is probably, I can't, did he play much in the in the, in the, 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 the last, the, the World Cup, which was three years ago? No. So, so, so to, to be involved in games like this, in games of this stature and this intensity, um, however well Portugal do, and as I say, I expect them to get to the knockouts and once they're in the knockouts, they'll be as dangerous as anyone. Obviously, they are the holders and they, they surprised everyone by winning it in France. But however they do, I expect it, you know, Jota will return to Anfield for pre-season stronger for the experience and hopefully Liverpool will see the benefits from that. Yeah, Theo, just asking you about Thiago, should Spain not really, I suppose, even be building their midfield around him? There's been obviously a lot of clamour around this young lad, Pedri, who has played well, certainly in their first game with Spain. But you think sort of eight years ago, Thiago kind of dragged along with Isco a Spanish under-21 side to, to winning a Euros. And he's never really taken on that mantle at sort of the highest international level. There was such attention and focus on him signing for Liverpool last year and even before he did when he was playing for Bayern Munich that this was one of the best midfielders in the world. He's done that interview sort of saying how everything's faster now, there isn't really time for playmakers. And it feels as though he's kind of one of the game's great playmakers who's almost been caught in sort of a transitional generational shift of how football's played from that tic-a-tac-a Barcelona side that he was taught in in La Masia to this frenetic rock and roll football he finds himself a part of at Liverpool and with Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, he's almost the uh, the right player at the wrong time, the wrong generation, isn't he? When he came through at Barcelona, obviously they already had Xavi, they already had Iniesta, they didn't need another playmaker. It's why he went to Bayern Munich, obviously had a very successful time in Germany. But it's one where maybe a few years older, he wouldn't have ended up at Bayern Munich. He'd have been at Barcelona, been a mantle of their team, or he'd have had a big Premier League move earlier in his career. You look at the Spain squad now, well, granted, he's never been this star man for them, but they are a team in transition. Like You look at their squad, it is very much a case of looking to the future. Like They've left Ramos out of this tournament, haven't they? And they're looking at the younger players. Like For us, would have assumed De Gea was first choice, but they're playing, I think, the Bilbao goalkeeper. Um, they've got likes of Laporte, they've just got him in. But I think out of the old guard, you know, the Spanish players that everyone can just roll off the tongue and it's like all these quality players. There's only really Jordi Alba, Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets left. It's all very much looking for the likes of Dani Olmo, Pedri, Ferran Torres, even Adama Traore. They've got a lot of talented players that maybe aren't the same level as the World Cup winners and the European champions, but they were never going to be. And Thiago sort of got lost in the middle almost the way Jordan Henderson of the England squad at the moment. You look at the player, the quality, the individual status of him, and you think he should definitely start in that team. But if the manager is looking at it as a project, do you want to give a player the minutes, have build a team around him when you know in two years' time his legs probably won't be up for that role? When you've got these young players there who are ready to play at a major tournament and you can give them minutes. Like with Spain, it's like he's probably not going to win this Euros. But by having him there just for the experience given the younger players this opportunity, you've given yourself a better chance of competing at Qatar World Cup in 2022, the Euros in 2024. It's very much a long-term game. And I think it's just a bit of change for Liverpool that they went and signed him in the first place because normally we'd expect them to do a similar sort of thing, a long-term game. 
But then a pl- player of that quality just came up and Jürgen Klopp had to have him. And Liverpool have seen the benefits. Um, but yeah, let Spain keep him on the bench. Doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> Probably not going to see him again at Wembley, I think, from their side of the draw. But I'm very happy for him to just be on the bench because considering the season he's just had, he can have a nice little rest. And then he's a point to prove when he's back at Anfield next season. He can have a full pre-season if he goes out the tournament early. And then he can start against Norwich on the opening day of the season and really show what he's about and hopefully be ever-present in a Champions League and Premier League winning season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Transfers then, they're the currency of the summer for us and they're what everybody's listening and wanting to know about. Theo, reading today the article you've published on the Liverpool Echo today took me a bit by surprise, but also... Very interesting that Liverpool happy to listen to offers for Nico Williams. Not alone. We saw Seth Vandenberg go back to Preston North End today for another loan spell. But Nico Williams, again, a bit like, I suppose, Jordan Shakiri, if the money's right, could well be leaving on a permanent this summer. Yeah, it's one where you think at first value it's a bit of a surprise. Like You'd expect him to be carry on being this reserve player as a backup to Trent or go out on loan and get some game time. But then you realise he's still reserved Trent, isn't he? It doesn't matter how old he is, how much game time he gets. He is never going to replace Trent Alexander-Arnold at right back unless Trent gets pushed into midfield. It is the impossible job for him. Almost like the role that Matt Addison finds himself in when you're not on podcasting <laughs> host duties. But I think Matt's had a, a bit more uh, minutes, hasn't he, this season than uh, Nico Williams has had. But I think Nico's only played, what, four times for Liverpool in 2021? Only two of them would be starts and one of them would have been in the cup game against Villa. The other, Fulham, if I believe I'm right. He's just not had the opportunities. And granted, he probably would get a bit more game time next season um, when you think well, Jurgen Klopp will be able to rotate his defence a bit more when you've got your centre-backs and everything. But Nico Williams is at that age now where he does want game time. If he'd gone on loan to Southampton, as was mooted in January, he'd probably be first choice for Wales at these European Championships. I know he started yesterday, but that was only when they were making a few changes to protect the players who'd already got yellow cards. He does need to step on now, doesn't he? And when he knows that that is placed in front of him in the team, it's going to be virtually impossible for him to take. It makes sense for him to look for this move rather than become one of these players that just goes on loan here, there and everywhere before they're, they're 26, 27. They've not played enough football. They've not got this permanent home and they're trying to play catch up. And I think Liverpool, they appreciate that situation he's in. He's been a decent player for him, decent backup shot option. I think he's had 25 games in two seasons. He's got a Premier League winner's medal. He's got a Club World Cup winner's medal. But then it's also a case of moving him along now. He's at that age where he needs to play and they reckon he will ask for a move because there are interests from a number of Premier League teams. And he'll be able to show his quality there, be first choice there. £10 million, I think it's the starting fee, which isn't a bad price for a player. That quality hasn't played as much as he would have liked. And they've got options there. Like you think, well, Joe Gomez back from injury. They've just signed Canate, so he might not get as much game time as he wants at centre back. But Gomez can play at right back. Granted, it won't be the most popular decision, but Trent's going to be your first choice for majority of the season anyway. We're only talking five, ten games when they're going to really change it up. James Milner can play right back. Henderson can if you're really desperate. Fabinho started his career there. They want to change formation. Oxlade Chamberlain's got experience of playing as a wing back. They've got enough options here. And I know there are big fans of um, Connor Bradley, 17-year-old. He's coming through the ranks. I think he made his uh, debut for Northern Ireland I think late May, early June. So well, that's basically what the situation Nico Williams was in two, three years ago, isn't it? You've got Trent in this first team. He's not going anywhere. Just get the best youngster, put them in reserve, give them a few game times, and see what they can do. Nico's come to that end of that window now. 
might be about to move on. Connor Bradley's starting his journey coming through. Fair play, let them do it. It's going to be good for Liverpool. It's going to be good for these youngsters getting that experience. It's been great for Nico Williams to train alongside Thiago, Salah, Firmino, Mane, Gareth Bale for Wales. And if Connor Bradley is going to be promoted in this role, it's going to be the exact same for him. And then it's just one where, well, where does he go? I think they were saying Southampton, Leeds, Aston Villa and Burnley. Those are the four teams that have expressed genuine interest in him. These are decent clubs. He could easily start for them and prove himself to be a good right-back option. Like we've seen it with um, Nat Phillips. Like he didn't get the game time that he would have wanted early on in his Liverpool career. and It was only by necessity that he's been able to show his quality. There's nothing saying Nico Williams couldn't go and do that now. Granted, it won't happen at Liverpool because Trent's there, but he could easily go and prove his quality elsewhere. And it's probably the time's right for Liverpool to get as much as they can for him, for him to go and move on, play him somewhere, just play at the top level week in, week out, and for a club to try and get a player who's coming off the back of the European Championships and showing what he's about. Yeah, definitely. £10 million seems fair as well, Dan. And if there are those four clubs, as, as Theo says, they're interested in him, could be somewhat of a, an auction, I suppose, that he's created. But knowing Liverpool and how smart they are, I'm sure there'll be a, a clever either buyback or sell-on clause also mm. inserted somewhere into a deal. Well, I was, I was just thinking then when, when um, Theo was talking, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool looked to maybe engineer a similar type of deal that was put into place for Ian Brewster. Uh, last summer when he went to Sheffield United, obviously for, for Nico's sake, we hope it's a more successful move wherever he goes than what happened to Rian, who I think I'm right in saying didn't didn't score didn't score didn't a goal. Score a goal. No. And obviously Sheffield United were, were relegated by by a country mile in the end. But um, you know, it, it would be quite slightly sad to see him go. But at the same time, it's it's quite obvious why. He would feel the need to get away to get some regular football under his under his belt. You know, it's he's got an almost impossible task to try and play regularly ahead of someone like Trent, who obviously isn't just one of the best in the country in the world in his position. In my view, potentially one of the best in the world, and only hopefully uh, going to get better. Nico's stock is, is is as high as it has been as it could be right now. Obviously, you know, he's he's, he's in the Welsh international squad, started a very high profile match. Against Italy, and one thing we know about Liverpool is that they are they are the, the expert really at absolute, at extracting maximum value for 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 getting rid of of squad players. I mean, I stumbled across something only a couple of days ago. I can't remember what the actual figure was, but Liverpool gets something like forty million out of out of Bournemouth for Solanke and I. Jordan Ibe, yeah. Yeah, you got Brad Which, Smith yeah, there as well. If you want to add another six Brad, or seven million yeah. to it, yeah, probably a bit more. No, I, I, I think you're right. I, th- I think I think Brad Smith was was thrown in there. So um, you know, you can look at it on the one hand and say, what are they doing? If if if, if other clubs out there have got more money than sense, um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily more money than sense. These will would these players wouldn't have been at Liverpool in the first place if they didn't have something about them. If they haven't gone on to succeed in the clubs where they are, then you can you can particularly blame Liverpool for that. But um, you know, a lot, a lot was said and done about Liverpool's transfer business last summer. You know, by and large, over the last five or six years, it's been outstanding. Apart from Thiago and Jota, who obviously you know, we think and hope are going to be excellent buys, um, the decisions that were made, obviously not replacing Lovren, and then particularly in January, not bringing centre back cover in until the end of the window, was probably Liverpool's least effective transfer window certainly in the modern era so I think I won't be alone in, in many supporters and hoping that the 
there's a better performance from the transfer setup this summer, and I fully expect there to be. Yeah, what's the situation then with Costa Simicast, Theo? Because he only arrived last year, yet over the course of the weekend and even before then, there's been a bit of murmuring that Liverpool may even look to sell him and move him on. But if Nico Williams is going, and let's not forget with him, he actually played against Italy at left-back for Wales. He can play on both sides, but if Nico Williams they're going to listen to offers for, surely that, that means that Simicast needs to be staying put. Yeah, that's what we're hearing, that Liverpool have no intention of letting Simicast leave. It wasn't an ideal season for him, was it, at Anfield? Um, I think he was another one of these players that got COVID along the way. He just didn't get much game time, as we keep saying, because of the need for stability elsewhere after losing all the centre-backs. I think we've seen a report today that Liverpool was shocked at how well Robertson was playing at the Euros because he had so much game time for Liverpool last season. He started like every Premier League game and he's still performing at such a high level for Scotland. But there is going to come a time when he needs a rest. Um, we're hearing that Liverpool were very impressed with Simakas the second half of the season in particular in training. And they've got a lot of faith in him as a project. So he's still a good age for a defender. And while he might not have had anywhere near as much game time as he would have liked last season, I think he played twice in the Premier League as a sub. It is going to be a different story for him next year. They are going to have to rotate their options a bit more and they'll have that bit more stability elsewhere in the camp. And you'll be able to see a bit more about him. He's shown glimpses of his talent. We know he's good getting forwards and getting crosses into the box. It's the question mark of if he's good enough defensively as in the Premier League. And the fact that we're a year into his Liverpool career and we don't know the answer shows we haven't seen enough of him. And it's not any slant on him or his ability. It's one of those where if a player doesn't get game time, there's always that question of, oh, are they just going to call it a day and move on? But Liverpool are fans of him. They wouldn't have signed him if they weren't. Like they were looking, I think, was it Jamal Lewis as well and a few of these other left-backs? It wasn't just a case of we'll sign a player for a season, move him on, and then bring in another, as Liverpool pretty much used to do under Rafa Benitez. It's very much a project here of keeping them for the foreseeable. And the Simicast, they like what they see. Hopefully, he can build on what he was doing behind the scenes and Liverpool fans can see a bit more of him next season. Yeah, so it's not a Hossamy or Jan Kronkamp situation, but <laughs> so, something a bit longer term. But as Theo was saying, Dan, we've just simply not really seen him, have we? And we, we've seen those so many times since Jurgen Klopp's come in, whether it be defensive players like Andy Robertson or even Fabinho, but even players higher up the pitch sometimes just take a little bit of time to get used to the system, to then come in and show what they can do. Absolutely. And, you know, similar to the point I made about Thiago earlier, you know, it, it's can't have been too many tougher times to come into a new club, particularly as a foreign player and a young foreign player, than, than last summer with everything that was going on, obviously in terms of the pandemic and obviously then the, the defensive injury crisis that Liverpool was, was suffered, you know, which obviously endured pretty much throughout the entire season, unprecedented in the 30-odd years that I've been following. I've been following the club. I mean, I think I, think I seem to remember last summer, sure we talked about it on, on these podcasts on a number of occasions, that... I think Klopp had said that, you know, we had the one of his intentions with a fair wind last season would have been to rest Trent and Robbo. And, and so the likes of Simakas and Nico would have had far more games than they would then um, than, than would have had a reasonable amount of game time. However, because this, the, the heart of Liverpool's defence was ripped out and, you know, and was basically, you know, sidelined for virtually the entirety of the campaign. Um, 
the fullbacks were the, were the only area of stability that Klopp did have in the defence. So obviously, under 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 normal circumstances, Simakas maybe could have expected to have played five or ten games. As it was, I think most Liverpool most Liverpool fans will probably struggle to pick him out of a lineup at the moment because, like you say, we've we've barely seen him. But if you know if, from, from the, the noises we're hearing, you know that, that he's he's been. They've been satisfied with his performances in training, and obviously, presumably, that would also tie into how he's kind of adapted to the group and you know and settled in the country, and, and he's someone that they feel. And I, th- I think it's important to say this as well because we know that you know Jurgen Klopp has a belief in in the importance of caring about his players as human beings as well as footballers. If if he feels it's in the players' best interest to be at Liverpool for another year, as well as the squad's best interest, then he'll do that. You know, at the end of the day, he. They wouldn't have brought him in last summer if they didn't think he, if he didn't he, if they didn't think he had something about him. So there's you know Liverpool history is littered with examples of players who took six months a year, eighteen months longer sometimes. Particularly going way way back to the seventies and eighties when players would be plonked in the reserves for three years. And Gary Gillespie was like three or four years before he got into the side, and then obviously became a very fine player for Liverpool. Different era, different game now. But if um, you know football football supporters. In the modern era, and journalists, of course, we all have this fixation on transfers. And this time of year, particularly once the the tournament is over, that will really ramp up into <clears throat> ramp up into overdrive. But I still think we are going to see the lingering after effects of the financial impact of the of the of the pandemic for some time yet, possibly even another season or two. So I don't expect there to be as much business as what people would like there to be. People would expect there to be, and it means that clubs, not just Liverpool, I think will end up persevering with plays that maybe in other circumstances they might have looked to to trade. But that, that's the reality of where clubs are. And I think that's just the way it has to be for now. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Cautionary tale then from Dan there, Theo. But in terms of we've spoken about then Shakiri, we've spoken about Nico Williams, Costas Simikas. Likes of Harry Wilson, Marco Gruich, even maybe throw Divock Origi in there, all maybe players on the list that Liverpool would listen to offers for. Well, if all of those go, surely that's enough money for a Killian Mbappe, isn't it? <laughs> I think he's stretching it a bit there, guy. <laughs> You've got to consider his wages and everything as well. Um, it's one where I think Liverpool are in the situation where they appreciate it's a difficult market to negotiate in, and you're looking at what is best for the club rather than what is best for these players. Um, like they know they can get a good fee for Nico Williams and it's probably going to be the most they've been able to demand for him at any stage of his career so far. But the likes of Gruich and Origi, their price is going to be down compared to where it would have been before the pandemic. It's one where there is going to be interest in them, but there has always been interest in them and teams have never stumped up enough cash for Liverpool to consider selling. We saw it last summer. We knew Liverpool would only consider permanent offers if anything came in and they would sell at the right fee. And when it didn't for Gruich, they were forced to look for this loan option. So he just wasn't out of a squad for a season. He went to Porto and he's had a good year with them. It's one where it's probably going to be the same case. Like Liverpool know that they can't really go out and spend whatever they want on an Mbappe or an Adama Traore, depending on what level of the market you want to go on. But they're very happy with the starting eleven, And if they have to make do with what they've got, they're happy with a Wilson, a Rigi, Shaqiri, Minamino, Gruich being these reserve options, even though it's going to be at the cost of them adding to their value long-term. But it's better having that security in the squad. And it's only then, once the Euros is out of the way, the market has settled a little bit. We're towards the end of the summer, where offers are coming in, you know the price is there, 
you'll see Liverpool think, yes, we can get 15 million for a Harry Wilson or we can get 15 million for a Marco Gruic. It's just going to be what comes in. If there a bid comes in for any of these players we're mentioning and Liverpool are happy to sell at that price, they will be gone. Liverpool will raise a few funds and then you might see them dip into the market late on and bring someone in. Uh, we saw it last year, didn't we, when Yota came out of nowhere. Thiago suddenly became an active target when the market settled. But if there isn't that offer there, then Liverpool will probably keep hold of him. They're not going to sell them on the cheap and be bullied or anything. They would much rather have those options in the squad if they're not able to bring someone else in at equal value or anything. And then if they need to find another last-minute loan, so be it. But it's a conversation we've been having for two, three years now with these players. And it does feel like we're getting to that stage now where a compromise can be met. But in the past, we've said that before. Like we've seen Wilson's moves to Burnley fall through. We've seen Gruwich, I think it was Hertha Blin, didn't materialise. It just needs something to click elsewhere in the market. And it'll be a chain reaction for all these players. Um, like Tivo Karigi, like, you're not even seeing teams link with him anymore, really, are you? Not anything you'd think would happen. Whereas 18 months, two years ago, Wolves were always right up there thinking, oh, might put in 20, 25 million offer. We know the players Liverpool would be willing to cash in on, move on, and we know roughly what they'd expect to bring in. It's whether anyone could come and meet that asking price. Yeah, definitely. Before we go then, we'll just sort of talk ourselves and I suppose speculate in terms of if these <clears throat> funds are raised and where Liverpool should be looking to kind of reinvest the money. We've seen the links over the last sort of 10 days or so with Florian Neuhaus, the Borussia Mönchengladbach midfielder. They're not really going away. That feeling that maybe another midfielder will be needed with Gini Wijnaldum moving on. But everyone also, as is always the case at any club in any window, just want to see a forward come in. Well, you know, goals are the currency of football, aren't, aren't they? That's what we all love. That's what we all fall in. You know, that's what we all become fixated on as children. And that, that's that's the the bottom line of the game, isn't it? Put the, the spherical thing in the in the, the rectangular thing. Um, I, I can't really Stirring see... Stirring team talk that from Dan Kay. It's, I, I went a bit technical then. Sorry, lads. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to give us the... Was it Bob Paisley quote? Put the ball in the back of the net. We'll discuss the options discuss later. Discuss the options later. Well, yeah... <laughs> My favourite one was always, it's not about the long ball or the short ball, it's about the right ball. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think that the fact that Jota came in last summer, you know, for, for a long time it was said, wasn't it, that, you know, there's too much of a drop-off from the front three and you cannot really account for that. Uh, and obviously, as we've said, Divock Origi, um, that, that was what Liverpool were looking to trade up from. Obviously, Divock at the moment is the Liverpool player. Um and the fact that he's not, I'm right in saying he's not at the Euros, is he? He's not, the, he's not at the Belgian no, squad. Didn't make it. No. <clears throat> well, how could he have Because you know, he hardly kicked the ball for Liverpool all season. I think, unless the unthink, I, I don't want to say the unthinkable, because I think it was touched on before, you know, Liverpool's magnificent front three of Salah, Firmino, and Mane are all getting towards 30. We've had this discussion a number of times. You know, at some point, they are going to have to be revamped, and one or two of them is going to have to move on. But until or unless that happens, I don't see any significant additions in the front line. If they, if, if they manage to shift Origi on, you might get another young forward coming in just to be that kind of extra bit of backup. Um, I think I think realistically, you know, Gini Wijnaldum would leave a hole in any squad. He is one of the most versatile footballers I've ever seen in my life. And obviously he has had a fu- an enormous and fundamental impact on this era of, of success at Anfield. So 
obviously the Liverpool have options in, in that area. Yeah, we've obviously we've all got big hopes for Curtis Jones. But I it, I, I just think in terms of numbers, bear in mind, obviously we know Liverpool are going to be in the Champions League. We'll obviously we'll want to make a much better challenge for the Premier League title than they were able to do last season. And, you know, I'm still one of the number of people that would still like to see us give have, have a go at the domestic cups as well. So I think just in terms of sheer numbers, you know, bodies in the door, I think they need to get another, at least, you know, someone to replace Wijnaldum in. Um, if if Nico Williams was to be sold, Theo went through the options of possible right back, up, you know, um, understudies for Trent, all of which could do a job. But I wouldn't really want to see the likes of Gomez or Milner put there too often. So if Nico was to go, bearing in mind how, how young Trent is, maybe they would look for someone who's slightly older, maybe in the... I don't want to say Josemi, but someone in the Josemi age bracket of 27, 28, who's experienced that would be satisfied to come in and maybe play 10, 15 games a season at a high level. And, and give take Trent that little bit of during a during the Champions League celebration, yeah? Well, listen, if, <laughs> I'd have Josemi back if you could guarantee that he'd be on the winner's podium. In, it, it will be Istanbul, won't it? No, it's St. Petersburg, isn't it? St. Petersburg. I thought, next, what, next, have we not postponed next. it for Istanbul again? No, I wasn't sure. I was third time lucky. I wasn't sure. <laughs> no, Istanbul is getting its one, but it, I thought it's getting it the year after. I'm pretty sure it's St. Petersburg in 2022. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I, sorry to disappoint the transfer junkies out there who I know kind of like, you know, at this time of year, any type of rumour is like manna from heaven for them. And obviously, you know, the echo will be all over that and and fleshing out whatever whatever substance there is there. But I just think that, you know, A, the nature of how Liverpool operates and also B, as we've discussed, the continued impacts of the pandemic. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd be very surprised if there was no incomings, but I, you're not going to see four, you know, you're not going to see many. But yeah, I, I, I think midfield is the one really where a Wijnaldum replacement for me. All right, we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. As ever, we will have it covered extensively across the echoes, as Dan says. There, of course, the necessity for Liverpool is to get a centre back in, and Ibrahim Akanate is already through the door. Don't forget to sign up to the launch of our Blood Red Club. That is coming this week. Check out the link in the description. But from myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squires, and Dan Kay, thanks for your time and your company. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.